0: This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Large earthquakes struck southern Turkey and Syria, killing more than 3,400 people and trapping many more under collapsed buildings. The initial quake's epicentre was near the Turkish city of Gaziantep and had a magnitude of 7.8. Hours later, an aftershock of similar magnitude hit further north. These were the strongest earthquakes in the region since one near Istanbul in 1999 that killed over 17,000 people. Russia's government said its budget deficit rose to 1.76 trillion rubles, or $25 billion, in January. Revenues from oil and gas sales nearly halved from the same period a year ago to 426 billion rubles, while defense spending pushed government outlays up by 59% year-on-year to 3.1 trillion rubles. Western sanctions mean that Russian crude trades at about $50 a barrel, compared with $80 for Brent. The Pentagon said it had failed to detect previous Chinese surveillance balloons in American airspace discovering them only later through additional means of intelligence collection. General Glenn Van herk called it an, quote, awareness gap that we have to figure out. At least four other intrusions had occurred in recent years before last month. America said it would not return the debris from the destroyed balloon to China. Hundreds of protesters took to the streets in Delhi and other Indian cities amid growing calls to investigate allegations of fraud against the Adani group, an Indian conglomerate. Many demonstrators were associated with the Congress, India's main opposition party. Around $110 billion was wiped from the market value of the group's firms after Hindenburg Research, an American short-seller, made the allegations on January the 24th. The UN warned that about one million Tibetan children have been sent to Chinese boarding schools, seemingly under a government policy, to assimilate them into majority Han culture. Instruction is only in Mandarin, making it difficult for Tibetan children to communicate with family in their native language and contributing to the erosion of their identity said three UN Special Rapporteurs. The Premier League accused Manchester City, one of the football competition's most successful teams in recent years, of more than 100 breaches of financial rules. The investigation said the club failed to provide accurate information about its revenues and flouted financial fair play rules, which limit a club's permitted losses. Since its takeover by Abu Dhabi United Group in 2008, Manchester City has spent more than €2.1 billion on players. The Rothschild family, who own a stake in The Economist, announced plans to take its investment bank, Rothschild & Co., off the Paris stock market. Concordia, the family's holding company, owns about 40% of the bank it plans to offer 48 euros, 52 dollars, a share for the shares that it does not already own, a 19% premium on the price when markets closed on Friday. Correction, in Sunday's edition, we incorrectly wrote that Juba is the capital of the Democratic Republic of Congo. In fact, that is Kinshasa. Sorry. In fact of the day, 2.2%. The contraction of Russia's GDP last year, which defied many economists' expectations of an annual decline of 10% or more.
1: And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Poor construction makes earthquakes more deadly. The huge earthquakes that struck southern Turkey and northern Syria on Monday killed more than 2,300 people. They were the strongest in the region since one near Istanbul in 1999 that killed over 17,000 people. That disaster and botched search-and-rescue efforts exposed a deeply flawed urban development model, corrupt building practices, and lack of preparedness in Turkey. Some problems persist. Under Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, in power since 2003, disaster response has improved. Over 3 million housing units have been renovated and strengthened. Yet apartment blocks built on the cheap or in defiance of building codes continue to crowd Turkish cities and towns. An amnesty on unregistered construction work passed by Mr. Erdogan's government in 2018 and which has had 9 million applications has not helped. It risked turning Turkish cities into, quote, graveyards in an earthquake, Simal Gukce, the chairman of the Chamber of Civil Engineers, said a year later. His words may have proved prescient. Biden's State of the Union President Joe Biden will deliver the annual State of the Union Address to Congress on Tuesday. With Republicans in control of the House of Representatives, Mr. Biden's window for passing big-ticket legislation has closed. So instead of laying out a bold agenda, his speech will trumpet his policy wins to date. In preparation for a re-election bid next year, expected to be announced soon, the president will probably remind Americans of his job creation efforts and major infrastructure and climate bills. Foreign policy will no doubt also feature prominently. Concerns about China are fresh in American minds after the shooting down of a Chinese balloon that was detected flying over sensitive military sites. And support for Ukraine remains high on the agenda ahead of the anniversary of Russia's invasion on February 24th. Still, Mr. Biden will know that some will scrutinize the delivery of his speech as much as its substance. His age, 80, remains a major concern for voters looking to 2024. How is big oil spending its profit bonanza? The coffers of big oil companies are overflowing. So far this year, Shell unveiled net profits for 2022 of nearly $40 billion. During the same period, ExxonMobil made a record net profit of $55.7 billion, and chevrons doubled. BP will add to the haul on Tuesday, and Total Energies will do so on Wednesday. In total, the five oil supermajors may have raked in around $200 billion in profits. Some of this bounty will flow back to the shareholders, but a wedge will be invested. Where and how that money is spent is changing. Bosses need energy that is faster to market, less risky to develop, cleaner to produce, and closer to home. Having been forced to abandon their assets in Russia after the invasion of Ukraine, some are diverting investments to the Americas, a region with relatively low risk and low cost reserves. Oil companies are also responding to pressure from activists and policymakers to decarbonize their portfolios. BP, for instance, vows to spend 40% of its capital expenditure budget on low-carbon projects by 2025. Australia's Next Interest Rate Rise Battling rising prices, Australian central bankers have raised interest rates eight times since May. Their fight is not yet over. Inflation has been slower to ease down under than in Europe and America. In December, it hit an annual rate of 7.8%, the highest since 1990. The Reserve Bank of Australia is expected to respond by bumping up interest rates by another 0.25 percentage points on Tuesday to 3.35%. But it may then be forced to change tack. Australia has some of the world's most indebted households and the hikes are starting to hurt. If the bank raises rates as expected, it will cost Aussies almost 1,000 Australian dollars, or $692 more per month, to service a 500,000 Australian dollar mortgage than it did last April, according to AMP, an Australian bank. Since then, house prices have plunged by almost 9%, and more will suffer this year as their fixed-rate loans end. To avoid a recession, monetary policymakers may soon have to pull their punches. A landmark art show in the Gulf. The Sharjah Biennial in the United Arab Emirates opens on Tuesday to mark 30 years since the event's founding. The contemporary art exhibition has always punched above its weight thanks to the ambition of Sharjah's ruling family, who are keen curators and collectors. Still, this year's iteration is hotly anticipated and poignant. Its focus was conceived by Aki and pictured, a Nigerian curator who died of cancer in 2019. During his lifetime, Mr. Enwazor did more than almost any other curator to shape the way the contemporary art world thinks about history and colonialism. Those themes underpin the show, which is titled Thinking Historically in the Present, and curated by Hur al-Kasimi, director of the Sharjah Art Foundation. In five towns across the Emirate, the event will display new work by an array of artists. They include Wangechi Muchu, a Kenyan-American painter and sculptor, Steve McQueen, a British filmmaker, Philippe Parino, a French conceptual artist, and Sir John Acoumphra, a Ghanaian-born British artist and director. For lovers of contemporary art, it promises to be worth a trip. Daily Quiz our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours GMT on Friday to Economist.com. Please note the way we choose winners has changed. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown three winners on Saturday. Tuesday Which 1952 Western stars Gary Cooper as a marshal who must face a gang of killers on his own? Monday, which band, which had their greatest success in the 1980s, had hits with Something About You and Lessons in Love? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Eric Temple Bell, who was born on this day in 1883. Science makes no pretension to eternal truth or absolute truth. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio.